Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwen. And now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. Oh baby, we are we, I'm today on the epic narrative. Dun, da, 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 da. I'm gonna try and go through an entire chapter. Episode 17 of this year's journey through Genesis. Oh, that should be like a title of a preaching series. <laughs> oh, there are some guys who are really good at that. You know, you ever met those? What is what is that called? Like alliteration or something like that? Where they, uh, where they, I don't know. Every point starts with the same letter or whatever, or they have like this rhythm. Uh, T.D. Jakes is really good at that. It just, I don't know. It's kind of like people are good at rapping. I think uh, they just they just got that smooth. Okay, I don't. You're. I know. I'm. <laughs> my engineer, engineer is like, really? We're going down rappers now? No, no. I'm just saying. Journey through Genesis. Okay, so we're in chapter seven of Genesis this today, and it's it should be pretty easy to do the whole thing because it's 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 kind of repetitive. Uh, the the verses. Kind of cover the same material uh, over and over. So I'll try not to bore you with the details, but it, it is important. Uh, we do not skip stuff on the epic narrative. It's what makes it epic. We cover all the details. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's what we do. It's what we do. All right. So one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on is the idea of exclusivity. I think one of the attractions to religion, or one of the things religion makes it, takes advantage of, people like to feel exclusive. People like to think, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm special. I got, I got this exclusive offer from Best Buy. I got this exclusive deal from Expedia. I got, I got in when no one else got in. I, I think that that feeling is something that, the the story of Noah and the flood, it appeals to people because because you can you can take this and say, you know Noah got this exclusive deal from God. He's the only one that got out. Him and his family. That's it. And he did so because he was righteous. He was seen righteous in the eyes of God. And if you're seen righteous, then God will get you out. God will give you an ark. God will God will r- rescue you. But only if you're righteous, only if you don't succumb to the evil thoughts and evil ways of the of the world around you. And, uh, you know, practically speaking, looking at the verses, you're like, yeah, that's actually what happened, right? I mean, the world was evil all the time. Their thoughts were evil all the time. And because of that, the governments and the and the power struggles and the selfishness and the pride and the Nephilim, whatever those were, were all part of this this conglomerate of evil thoughts all the time. Their motives were, were hor- horrible, and yet Noah was righteous. Noah was pure. Noah, Noah had connections. Noah didn't, didn't sever his relationship, his, his tuning into the frequency of his creator. He knew God's voice. He knew God's heart. He knew that, that he wasn't alone, even though I'm sure at times he felt alone. He, was, he, 
He was a pure blood. If there was such a thing as mixed blood, which I think there was, I mean, that's fairly clear. Whether you think Nephilim were, were from another spiritual realm or somehow described something that was going on on earth, they shouldn't have been marrying the daughters of men. And that's, you know, you can do whatever mental gymnastics you need to do in order to pull that off. But but in all of that, people people like to say or like to feel exclusive, like Noah's the exclusive one. I can be part of the exclusive group, the righteous group, the one that hasn't given into the evil of the world. And then the preachers, usually preachers, ministry leaders, special speakers, teachers in your Christian schools, private colleges, whatever, uh, they take whatever they, they define that word. You know, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean not to fall into the wickedness of being evil all the time? And then you get that list of of stuff. That list of stuff. And I I, I that's that's where oh, that's where religion thrives. Because religion knows that you're free. Religion knows that if that if you just you do your journey, your walk with God, your connection to him to your creator, to the light and life and hope and joy and peace of your original creation out of the beginning. When you when you make all of those connections, religion knows that you're going to truly be free and you're, you're going to behave in such a way, not because, oh, I got to deny myself, but because you, you actually live out yourself in such a way that you are love and joy and peace and light and uh, and 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 gentleness and kindness. Good grief! You lost you lost it, Bob. I know. I think you. I think you think they're getting the point. I I do. But that's that's what religion loves. They love for somebody to see this and think, how can I make this exclusive? How can I make people feel special? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're going to make sure uh, women always have long hair and men always have short hair. Now, that was I, I picked that out because that's from my childhood back in the day. Right. And then and then there was like this huge, we'll call it Jesus movement revival across the nation. It was all these all these guys with long hair. And people were like, what? No. The first thing you got to do is cut your hair. You got to separate yourself from the world. And that's, you know, they would yeah, yeah, that's that's the that's what it appeals to. Like you're going to be special. You're going to be exclusive. You're going to be God's favorite. You see Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was he was God's favorite and he was God's favorite because he was not given in to the evil of the world. He didn't wear, his wife didn't wear a bikini to the beach. No, she wore a modest one-piece bathing suit. That's what, <laughs> I, I can't even take myself seriously when I say stuff like that. It's But <laughs> it's because I used to say stuff like that. I literally was at a, you know, we were at camp. I worked at a camp. For, I went to the camp and I worked at the camp for years. And God bless them. I I know that I I don't doubt their hearts, but you know they they it's tough. It just generally speaking, it's tough not to get into religion. It's just it just is. It is it is so good at deception. 
it is so good at lies that it is it is tough to see sometimes and and yeah we we had we had rules out the wall freaking zoo <laughs> we really did yeah modest bathing suits were one uh both male and female shorts had to be fingertip length now that was before like this goes way back like back in the day basketball shorts used to be short shorts so if you played basketball your legs were showing and I don't know what changed or what shifted, but somebody made it fashionable to have really long baggy shorts. And then like at one point, shorts were like re more recently, like all the way down to your knees. Like they almost look like skirts on some of these guys running down the, but back in the day, the short shorts were an issue. So the shorts had to be fingertip length. If you had relaxed shoulders, huh, you'd hang your fingers down and if, those shorts better be just past those fingertips if you were going to wear shorts at all. And it was the same skirts couldn't, you know, had to be just had to be at least below the knee and the radical Christians would allow it to be on the top of the knee. Oh, yeah, yeah. It went, it went on and on. Trust me, it'll, it'll go on and on and on. And the whole concept is tied into this concept, into this thing of being exclusive exclusively in favor with God, exclusively a friend of God. And that's what Noah is often pictured as. He's somebody who separated himself from the world, who did what God told him to do, and now he he's the only one and his family, which is another whole can be used to manipulate, you know, fathers, if you are righteous, your family will be saved. If you do the right thing, your family will be saved. And of course, the flip side of that is, well, if my family isn't being saved, if my son is in rebellion or if my daughter is in rebellion, then clearly this is my fault. And religion's like, yes, yes, it is your fault. You're a bad parent. Let me pile on some other things that I love to pile on people. I'm going to pile on guilt. <laughs> guilt. Oh, that's going to make you feel even worse. And then shame. Shame because every time your son walks out in public, everyone knows what he is or what he did or what. And, and every time someone looks at your daughter and sees what she's wearing, they're going to assume that she's one of these or one of those or one of that's. And, and, and shame on you. Guilt on you. And it goes on and on and on until what? Until you're dead. Because that's the path of the evil one. That's the path of darkness. That's the path of sin. It's always about death. I think I mentioned in the last episode, like, it's never happy until you're dead. It doesn't just back off like, wow, we've, we've screwed up their lives pretty good. They, they should be fine for two or three years till they straighten things out, and then we can come back and mess them up again. No, that's not how it operates. Not happy till everyone's dead. And evil is looking at the culture of this world in Noah's day, and it says, oh, we got this. There is no way they get out of this. They are, they are so far gone. We have so screwed up their lives that we are going to literally take everyone out. And finally, I will have my revenge on that God who thinks he's in charge of everything. This is this is awesome, right? So, oh, I should read verse one at least because I did. I, I know I said I was going to do the whole chapter. 
Verse 1, the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. So from from chapter 6, where it says Noah did all that the Lord had told him to do, to chapter 7, go into the ark, is a hundred years, everyone! Oh my gosh! Remember that. That's a hundred year gap between those two verses. That's amazing. But so you know, I, I what what happened? What 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 happened? Noah built the ark. Now I, I think I mentioned it again last week. I don't think Noah only built the ark. I think he had other businesses. I think Noah probably took a few trips to the coast to figure, you know, to ask questions and help, uh, you know, maybe even worked alongside some boat builders just to figure out what was going on. He had to he had to get cypress or cypress cedar cypress. What? Dang it! What was I supposed to say? Gopher wood. <laughs> I went. I went King James. We went gopher wood. Cypress. It was cypress. There you go, Bob. See, read the Bible. He had to probably get, you know, uh, cypress wood. He had to get, he had to, you know, make pegs or buy pegs. He had to, he had to fit things together, saws. Uh, I don't know what else they had. Axes, hammers, things break. I don't know if you've ever built things, but things don't always work. Things wear, wear out. Things fall apart. Things need sharpening. It took a hundred years. Yes, I bet it did. I bet it did. And you know, when there was... I, I, Noah doesn't know when the flood's coming. He just knows the world keeps getting worse. Man, I tell you, that's right. Right there is the life of so many people. They're like, well, the Lord's got to come back. The Lord's got to come back. I got to get rescued out of this place. I got to get rescued out of this place. Noah's like, yeah, I'm just building the ark, man. I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that God told me there is a flood coming. Now, I imagine as things are getting kind of done, as the out, you know, the exterior, usually when you frame things, right, you build the exterior. I'm sure, you know, painting that with pitch. Now, I've painted for years. Uh, I've also been a pastor for years, often doing this two at the same time. My dad taught me how to paint, interior and exteriors. It takes time. I can't imagine the amount of time it would take to paint a boat that size, right? 85 feet wide, 50 plus feet high, 510 feet long. That's a ton of pitch. You can't, you know, you can't run down to Home Depot and get another eight, you know, five gallon buckets of whitewash. And trust me, I've I've worked with like like the what is that called? The dry lock paint, like in wet basements, you know, basically spreading mud. It is it is hard work. Your wrists, your elbows, your shoulders, your neck. It is no fun. Imagine doing that. It had to be months of daily effort to cover this thing in pitch whoops i just kicked the table sorry about that if there was a sudden thud it was me and nothing in your car is broken and that's just that is literally just one small aspect of this whole 
huge construction issue. Now, it goes on for 100 years. I don't think he did it alone. I'm sure his family helped. I'm sure he hired help. I'm sure there were some people who thought it was just fun and came by to see things and maybe lent a hand. A lot of people knew Noah, liked Noah. They might have traded um, you know, for some of what Noah would provide for them. They would trade their skills to help Noah out. They didn't really care what Noah was doing. I I know that there are, there are there are lots of versions of this in which Noah you know, preaches to the people every day for a hundred years. They refuse to listen to him. Where where do you think he did that? Do you think people just gathered every day for a message from Noah? I mean, I, I know preachers like that mindset because they think everybody should come here with the message, the revelation that I have, the, the outline that I have. It was the same message every day. A flood is coming. The earth is going to be destroyed. You know, turn or burn. Well, not burn, turn or die, turn, turn. Anyways, I mean, at some level, yes, he preached every day because he's building an ark and he's doing it in obedience to God. But in, you know, in what what was it? Uh, both in Luke and in Matthew 24, but I think it's Luke 17, where you get like these little snippets. It says, you know, people continued to be married and be given in marriage till the day the, the waters came. This is this is just what people did. They just continued to live life. They pursued what, what was important to them. They pursued what would bring them power, what would bring them pleasure. They, they were, uh, I think one version says they were given and, 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 they, basically, they were marrying and divorcing and marrying again and working their way around things all the time. Like it, the, the, the concept here is building the ark didn't really mess up anybody's plans. If anything, they knew what Noah was busy doing. Noah's following his God. Well, we all know that God is useless. We all know that that, that God really doesn't have anything to do with us. When you're living in an evil society, Noah stood out. Noah might have been annoying. They probably, people in power, right, probably came over toward him wanting to control some things. They wanted ownership. They might have they might have tried to hold certain supplies hostage because they didn't like what he was doing. Well, we don't like your God. We don't think your God's healthy. We don't think that, that the way that you communicate with him you know, we don't want you influencing our, our people. We don't want you influencing our children. I don't want my, you know, my son working for you anymore. Uh, people in power might have, yeah, might have spoken to supply chain issues and been like, hey, slow that down a little bit. We don't know what Noah's doing, but he needs to know who's in charge. He needs to know that we that we control this area. I mean, yes, I'm sure at some level it looked really weird for someone to be building a huge rectangle box in the, you know, in essence, you know, miles from water. And his only explanation is, this is what my God has told me. The world is going to be destroyed by water. I'm building a boat. I'm building an ark because he told me to. There were probably people who laughed at him 
mocked him out loud, tried to disturb things. And then there were probably others who were kind of friends with him who would sit down with him and be like, hey, Noah, like what's, seriously, what's going on, bro? How far are you going to cover? How far are you going to do this? How long are you going to keep doing this? Till it's finished. Well, is that when it's going to rain? I don't know. I just, I'm just going to keep working on it. We'll see what happens. Now, I don't see in the story, right? Because we literally go from one verse to the other and cover a hundred years. Did God keep give, you know, kind of let him know, listen, you know, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Trust me, death is coming. You know, keep working, Noah. Don't take any days off. I don't know. But I know he was he was basically 500 years old. So he built it. Uh, he built it between the age of 400 and 500. Which uh, I I, <laughs> I was just thinking of that verse uh, in the last chapter, chapter six, where he, where God said, you know, my spirit dwells here on the earth, but won't always dwell with men. Their their number their years will be numbered at 120. And basically, you know, that was God's God informing the world. Listen, your decisions are cutting and destroying your genetic makeup. The purity and strength of your DNA is starting to break down. You're not going to live as long as, as you were designed to live. But Noah's genetics are still doing fine. And between the age of 400 and 500, he builds this ark. Even, even if you want to say he couldn't lift a hammer, let's just say you think he's feeble and, and useless, which I don't think he was. That's 100 years of keeping an eye on things, of being the general contractor. That's that, and, and this is no small project. Here's another thing. This this project, this arc, is is a engineering, you know, mar marvel. And yet, no one seems to be freaking out about it. Like there's no, again, no real record of people walking up to him going, "Wow." We've never seen something like this. We've never seen such an engineering before. We've never seen a boat built like this. Granted, there's no water, but holy cow, Noah. How'd you build that high? How'd you build that, that wide? How'd you get it together? I have a feeling there were buildings of massive sizes all over the planet at this point. Well, all over the known planet at this point. People were not that amazed at what he was doing. They were amazed at where he was doing it and confused at this God that he kept referencing. Because I'm sure religious leaders, you know, had already declared Noah's God is uh, irrelevant. Noah's God is dead. Noah's the only one who listens to that God. So clearly he's the weird one. We've got it right. Look at our gods. Look at our men of renown. Look at our look at our demigods that are strong and powerful and keep us safe. This is who we need to trust in. This is who we need to listen to. They give us wisdom and advice on how to build buildings and build cities and protect ourselves. And their children come and they live with us and we are able to you know be better protected and and even more powerful. This, this culture had really shifted. I don't think they saw Noah as a threat at all because 
of the fact that they just continued to pursue life at 100 miles an hour all the way until Noah went into the ark. And did he preach? I don't know. Where? I don't know. Did he go to the marketplace? Probably. Why? He needed supplies. And did they talk? Yes. Did people come by and do trades with him? Yes. Did he tell them what he was doing and why he was doing it? Yes. Did he invite them to join him? Yes. Why? This was a rescue plan. It wasn't exclusive. It was inclusive. This is all about rescuing the world, rescuing creation. Now, God's already made it clear to Noah, I'm going to make sure one of every kind of animal gets in here. You, uh, one, sorry. We'll get more of that. <laughs> Seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female. Seven pairs of every, every kind of clean animal, male and female. One pair of every kind of unclean animal, animal, a male and its mate. Those are verses two and three of chapter seven. God's, God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure the animals get in. You're going to make sure the boat's built and that the food gets in. That would include, you know, all kinds of dried fruit. I, I, I guess dried fruit, salted meats, um, barrels of it, buckets of it, bags of it, things hanging from, from things. There probably were a lot of seeds that were collected from all over the planet, from the trade market, because he's... Noah knew, listen, if we're the only ones that get out, surely this boat's going to land somewhere. We're going to want to plant things. They had grape seeds, tomato seeds, bean seeds, fruit trees. They had all those things. Nothing was going to go to waste. God's like, we are going to do what? We're going back with my plan. We are going to recreate on this earth what Adam saw in heaven or at least on that spiritual plane called Eden. And the garden was built in the east of Eden. And if it wasn't a spiritual plane, then it was the part of the plane in which Adam was, was working from in order to spread the seeds all around the earth before he got removed from the garden. And the garden got destroyed or is still hidden in some manner or such that we don't know where it is. Although some archaeologists think they found it. We covered that in previous episodes. I I completely lost my way. Oh, we got the animals, sorry, and the seeds and the, all of that. This is a rescue plan for everything in creation. That's, that's what I'm saying. The pattern is God's like, this is how we're going to get out. Because my plan is, God's plan was not the destruction of the planet. That was the enemy's plan. That was evil's plan. That was darkness's plan. God's plan is to provide a way out. He's like, I will trust my goodness. My goodness will get you a way out. Boom. Here it is. Now, listen, the idea of the flood, right, is, is seen multiple versions of the flood is in basically every culture around the world. You can talk to archaeologists, anthropologists, missionaries. Everybody's got a flood story. Sometimes it's just, you know, uh, something like, <laughs> I forget if it was a, an island or a, or a, a some, somebody told me a story of how, like, there was this thing where every family had to build, you know, a canoe that was big enough for the whole family because the story of the flood 
everybody, even you know, even to this day, the quote modern day, every family had a had a canoe in case the flood came back. There was there's just stories like that throughout time. And you could say, well, this means the Bible's just another book. It's just another flood story. It's just the, you know, the Bible's flood story. Everybody has a flood story. Or possibly it means the Bible is the original story. And this is this is the story. And everybody else has a version of it, has a has a reference to it because they they got it got passed down throughout time. There is evidence for a worldwide flood. There is evidence against it. If you don't want a worldwide flood, you can point to all kinds of stuff. And I've read them both. I've read both sides. I have. <laughs> I have. And I, I got to admit, I come to it with a level of faith that says I believe the Bible. I do. I know I know some people think, no, you don't, Bob, because God is an angry God and he likes to judge people and, and, and you know, and, and destroy them and send them all to hell and and this is God, God sending the flood because he hates sin and he's going to destroy sin and he only rescues the righteous. And we're righteous because we obey rules. Ask, just ask my preacher. Uh, okay, but that's, uh, okay. So for those of you who believe that, yes, you're probably right. You you don't think I like the Bible. I love the Bible. I believe the Bible, which is why I think this is the actual story of the worldwide flood. And I think it was worldwide. There you go. That's my belief. But that's how I come I come to these things. So I do read all the evidences for and against it. I'm not intimidated by people who say, you know, that it's not true that that you know the glaciers are what ran over the earth, not water. Of course, glaciers are water. But let's just pretend that you know that this is an ice age thing, and it took billions of years, and that's where you see evidence of water in places where there wasn't or shouldn't be water, and and on and on they go. And I'm like, oh, okay fine. What are we really after here? I believe we're after the character of God brings us back to the beginning. And what that shows us is God wants to rescue his people. He wants to rescue his creation, all of it. So he brings in multiple pairs of animals. It says that they, (laughs) it says that Set, uh, verse four, seven days from now, I will send rain on the on the earth for 40 days, 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face, face of the earth every living creature I've made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Now, now this is awesome. Basically, what we I think what we see is in verses two and three, we see that all these animals start showing up around the ark. This is this is pretty crazy. And I think within a week, all of them are in the ark. So it takes a week. Think of all the animals that are coming in. Seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female. That alone. Like, you can't do this in a day. During this week of activity, think of how how crazy it was. Because I think the animals started showing up probably months in advance. Animals that people weren't used to seeing. Weird ones. You know, uh, exclusive ones to other other parts of the world. It had to become kind of a scary region. And I'm not saying they were all within you know, a, a, a two-block radius. They're probably within a, a seven days walk 
radius. The Lord had moved them that close. But I'm sure hunters and, and people on the trade routes were seeing animals and birds that they had never seen before, insects, snakes, yeah, that they had never seen before. Different sizes, different colors. And they, the marketplace was probably a buzz with information. People that had seen things, weird things, big things, small things. Reptiles of all kinds. If you, if you, if, if you want, this is where the dinosaurs are, right? Dinosaurs are just big reptiles. They can come in all sizes. So they started showing up, I think, probably in the smaller versions, but they're all hanging out. And in seven days, they all load up. I'm, I have a feeling some people felt very threatened. Very threatened, and, and they might have even uh, they might have even tried to go after Noah. Like, hey, Noah, we we know this is your fault. Why why do you think it's my fault? Because you're the only one doing something weird around here, and weird things are happening, and weird weird and weird go together, and and, and we're coming after you. You better watch your back, Noah. I don't know what you got going on, but all this stuff. My wife found a spider in the house. We've never seen a spider that big before. I know that's your fault. I have a feeling they probably accused Noah of worshiping the devil. Of being so evil and scary. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't doubt that they also looked at him and thought we better not touch him. I mean, look at the things that are surrounding him. I think in this last week the enemy realize, wait a minute, Noah's got a way out. Wait a minute, this is a rescue plan. What am I going to do? Now it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says God waited patiently a hundred years. Now in, in, in context, he's talking about the uh, Jesus going down to uh, uh, his his resurrection and all the powers that were that were destroyed and it and it says that you know he went down and declared rescue or declared his love to those that that had been um, destroyed uh, during the flood so I believe he brought rescue even to them at that time but God it says God waited patiently a hundred years while Noah built the ark I think that idea of patience goes goes back to the enemy just not paying attention. God didn't come in with a plan of aggression to rescue the world. Like, no, this is my creation. I'm going to take you down. Boom. He's like, no, I'm going to be patient because if I, if I come in in a show of strength and violence, I'm, I'm no different than the enemy. I'm just bigger, stronger, and more violent than the enemy. No, I'm going to come in with love, and love is patient, and love is kind. And I'm going to I'm going to start Noah on a project that's going to take a hundred years potentially. I don't think God has. I don't think. Well, we've already been through this. I don't think God was like. The, I don't think he was bringing the flood, so I don't think he was. He knew. 
you know, he, he hadn't designed it within a timetable. He just knew, I'm going to start the plan now. I'm going to start it slow. It's going to take 100 years to go. And by the time the enemy figures out that I have a rescue plan for the world, it's going to be too late. And everybody can get on the ark. And the enemy can bring the flood and, and everything will be fine. I will have rescued all of my creation, all the animals, all the humans. But after 100 years, everyone's still doing their thing because they have marginalized, they had ostracized, they had demonized Noah to the point where it was irrelevant what he was doing. But when all these animals showed up, I think, I think the enemy realized, wait a minute, what the heck is going on? This is crazy. People wanted, I think, to take control of what was going on. They, people went to the government and was like, hey, we need to start killing animals. This is Noah's fault. There are some weird, there's some weird stuff going on out here. Even for us, it's weird. We gotta, we gotta figure this out. We gotta get control of this here situation. I just think things started to get nasty, but they didn't have the time. I think people wanted to meet with Noah. They wanted to hang out with Noah, and that's why the Lord said, "I want you to get in the ark. I want you." And your family to move in. Noah and his sons entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Verse 7. Now, I, I have a feeling the last, uh, we'll just call it the last 10 years. I think the wives got involved in, in the design of everybody's apartment. I don't think that they lived on the top floor in some, like, everybody sits on the floor. We're going we're gonna to eat dried, you know, grapes or raisins for the next uh raisin cakes you know for the next uh however long it takes like we got all this uh beef jerky and raisin cakes or whatever like i have a feeling they had apartments and beds and a little area to cook i'm sure he was like no you can't have a fire in here so i'm I, you know i'm sure they brought up stones and built little places where they could fire things they probably loaded in firewood not that they were going to have bonfires, but they they had a they had a window, they had ways for it to get out, the smoke. They had ways to kind of heat things up, make some pita pita bread. It was it was some flat pizza. I'm not saying it was like, you know, a great restaurant every night, but they weren't they weren't destitute, sitting up there. You know what what is the enemy up to? I've covered this before. Like he he. He gets kicked out of heaven. I believe he gets demoted to to the realm of the garden and uh, this place called Eden, and he's put in he's put as overseer of the animals. He's an animal. He's he's a snake, walked upright. He was beautiful, intelligent, cunning, beyond all other animals. And he sees what's going on and. And he waits and bides his time, and then he puts into momentum something that he knows will destroy the creation of, of God. And that even though Adam and Eve didn't have a sin nature, they sinned. Because it wasn't their identity, but it was what they did. And they chose to believe that it was their identity, and they continued to live in it. They didn't, they never repented. So the earth is in horrible shape. The results of the fall had basically never been stopped. 
and and he's he's able to dump all of this destruction on the character of God, which he knows is not true. He knows this is not of God, but he's able to dump it all on God because he knows where our choices will lead. Noah and his family move in. The sons, the wives, they enter the ark, they escape the flood. All the animals are, are moved in. Now, later on in Scripture, it says that the, you know God calls a, a deep sleep to come over them. So I don't think they had to run around emptying poop buckets and feeding everybody. But I also don't, I don't know if they all slept the whole time. I mean, I would imagine some of these, some of these little furry things are pretty cute. Some of these things are kind of fun to have around. Maybe there were, maybe he let, uh, you know, the kids play with some. But the the verses just continue, right? The and the rain fell for forty days and forty nights, and on that very day they had moved in with the wives and the sons. They entered the ark and they had with them every animal and all the livestock and their kinds and their creatures that moved along the ground according to its kind and birds according to their kind. Everything with wings. Pairs of all the creatures that have breath in them came to Noah and entered the ark. Animals were going, were male and female of every living thing, and God had commanded Noah, and then God shut them in. So God pulled the door shut? I don't know. Did they pull the door shut and God sealed it up with supernatural pitch? I don't know. Was a Nephilim involved? I don't know. Somehow, whatever. Verse 18, the waters rose and increased greatly on the on the earth and the and the ark floated on the surface of the water. And they rose greatly on the earth and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to the depth of more than 15 cubits or whatever that is, like 25 feet. Every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, animals, all that swam on the earth and over the earth and all of mankind, everything on dry land had its breath and that had the breath of life in its nostrils dies. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People, animals, creatures that move along the ground and birds were wiped out on the earth. Only Noah was left and with him and all those that were with him in the ark and the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Good golly, that's that's a lot of kind of the same thing over and over again. But that's what happened. It was massive. It was huge. The language here speaks not only of rain coming down, but, but waters coming up, that the, the springs of the earth vomited stuff onto the ground. This, this water was torrent. It was fast. It wasn't slow. And there are legends and stories of, you know, leaders and, and kings that had ships made. Like they, they hedged their bets. And when the rain started, they they ran to their boats and they you know they fired arrows and tried to burn the the ark because they were mad at Noah. They tried to take over the ark, and God you know sent animals out of the ark to destroy. Like it's just, it's just all these legends that go along. And it's like I read them or I I see the movies or the videos and I think, well, okay, fine. But like it's the bottom line is everything died. Everything on the earth with with breath died. All the plants were covered. Everything was covered. I believe it was worldwide. 
It was as the enemy would want it. This, this creation, this thing called Earth, he didn't try to destroy the universe because Earth contained the things that represented the Creator. He's like, if I can take this out, I will hurt God. I will let him know that I am more powerful, that sin is more powerful than goodness. And the waters flooded the earth. He was like, the enemy's like, I am not letting go of this until I know for sure this place is never coming back. He had overplayed his hand, as usually he does. He had missed the rescue plan of God because he was so overconfident. And Noah and his family and all those animals and all those fruit trees and all the etc. plants and seeds that he had saved, all of creation was still safe on that ark. And that's where we're going to leave you off today. Thank you so much for listening to the Epic Narrative. We'll pick up again next time. Have a great one. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. Well, good morning, my friends. And I say that with all sincerity because at the time of this recording, it is morning. And where where am I located? Where is Bob today? Bob is in Arkansas sitting uh, in his RV in the parking lot of a Bass Pro Shop. For those of you that are following my journeys and you're staying up to date on the Epic Narrative, this is where I am at the time that I'm making this recording. We're having, uh, it is an adventure. It's a lot of fun. And uh, when when you park in someone's parking lot, it's called boondocking. And they give you permission. You you know, there's apps for all of this. And uh, one of the, one of the, large companies that lets that happen on a real regular basis is the Bass Pro Shops. Uh, Cabela's is another one that lets it happen. Um, Walmart is pretty friendly toward it as well. Uh, but there's other places as well. Um, we've we've done it uh, in, in a church parking lot uh, for a couple nights and 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 it's free. It's free. You don't you don't get any water or electricity so you run off your battery and you use your your um, supply tank of fresh water and and you know usually walk to a local restaurant and anyways it's it's a lot of fun um it's a lot of fun we haven't stayed at a uh uh, cracker barrel but that's another national chain that generally is pretty friendly to letting um rvs and and campers spend the night in their parking lot Ideally, you also go spend some money in their establishments. So there are other really unique places. There's farms with farm stands. There's, you know, wineries and and distilleries and just kind of cool cool locations that you can go spend the night. And uh, you know, we we stayed at a museum parking lot once. Um, yeah. Anyways, enough about my life. All of my thoughts regarding <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Some of you are like, what is this, a travel log? Uh, a little bit, I guess. Uh, let's see. Thoughts regarding Noah. I, I was struck again when the, regarding the flood with the migration of the animals. The idea that these, these animals had to have started their migrations months prior 
to loading into the ark. And and I don't think, because I don't believe God brought the th- flood, I don't think God had a specific day that every that you know that that it was going to happen he knew what what the enemy was going to bring he knew the enemy was bringing death and he knew he was bringing it through the flood because of the signs that he saw so he prepared a rescue plan for the world and the and the animals and we covered that in the episode but i think he had to get the animals close and he had to he had to make sure noah kept working because he didn't exactly know when the enemy was going to do it now, I think the enemy just knew that eventually everybody would destroy themselves. And he was paying really no attention to what God was doing because he could care less. Because in his mind, he literally had control of the world, except for this one guy, Noah. And I believe he was he was more than happy with the way that the destruction of their own self-destruction was going. The enslavement, the the poisoning, the the arrogance, the selfishness, all of that was just getting to, to ridiculous levels <clears throat> on the planet. I think when the enemy saw that God had a rescue plan, he moved his time. It was like like I, I think I think that brought about like the the go time. Like he looked around and was like, oh man, this is like, like he was totally just, just totally caught off guard because he's also arrogant and has tremendous hubris. And when he looked up and he saw what was going on and he realized that there was enough room in that ark for everybody to go, he he wanted to destroy everybody quickly. And that's why the language of the flood is so violent is because he just brought destruction as fast as he possibly could. And uh, God brought the rescue. So when, when uh, you know, God was speaking to Noah, he was like, I need you and your family to get in the ark now, and I'm going to bring in the animals. And he just, and the animals just started flooding in. And I think it took days for all those animals to get in. You, you just, you just can't get them in quick. And, and it was way more than, as you know, because we covered it, but it's way more than just two, two per of every animal, and and I understand why the songs talk about you know just two animals of every kind, and why the all the little coloring pictures are two of every kind, and and because it does say two of every kind, unless you read the rest of it, and then it says you know seven of this seven pairs of this kind, and three pairs of that kind, and a pair plus one of this kind. So you know that that would make the songs really really complicated. There's no need for it, but it's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, I guess that was really all my thoughts for today. I know it's a short one, but that's okay. You're sometimes you don't have as many thoughts. So uh, I hope you guys are having a great day, and uh, stay tuned again until next week. I'll see you on the Epic Narrative. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.